everyone. I'm Father Alex Sandahar. And I'm the Reverend David Marshall. And this is A Bridge Between, where we bridge our knowledge of the Holy Scriptures. We uh, bridge the distance that is theological and between our views and opinions, which sometimes does happen. And what else are we bridging today? I thought you were just going to bridge over what I had to say. <laughs> you were doing such a great job at bridging it. Uh, we bridge friendship. We bridge what it is to be a dad. Uh, we bridge what it is um, to be in the labor market and to work ah. and uh, what all that might mean. So the just, underemployed, the overemployed. Well, just letting you know in advance, if we start talking about interest rates and, you know, stuff like that, I'm going to like, you know, zone out. Okay. I, I, I never mentioned interest rates. I'm just saying we're talking about labor markets and stuff. I'm, I'll just zone oh, out. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Surety. I did not say that. Keep so, it to the let's keep it to the today's parable, which is which parable? Um, well, there are different ways to call it, and you called it one thing, and I then brought up a different uh, parable. So we'll just say it's a parable from Matthew twenty. Would that work? Okay, that'll work. All right, Matthew chapter twenty. Would you like to summarize, my friend? <laughs> so, folks, so, I should let you know that. We, uh, he and I were trying to work out, it's, it's a really long story that Jesus tells, and we were trying to work out, do we just read the whole thing or do we summarize it? And so we, we're going to try to summarize it. So, okay. So to start off, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven and what it is like. He talks about the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who goes out early and he needs people to work in the vineyard. He needs laborers for the vineyard. And he, so he goes each time during the day, he finds more workers that he needs. And at each time of the day, you know, you start in the morning, you get to the mid-morning, late morning, afternoon, all the way almost to the end of the day, and the, the vineyard owner is still hiring people. And he's just telling them, just go, just keep working, keep going over there. Now, eventually, he's going to pay all of them because you pay people a daily wage. And as he gets to the end, something interesting happens, which is the people who work at the beginning of the day are paying very close attention to what the people who earned for the last part of the day are getting. And as the people who got the last part of the day are getting a full day's wage, the people who started all the way at the crack of dawn in the morning are saying, well, wait a minute. If those guys got a full day, imagine what we're going to get. We worked much longer than they did. And here is where we come to the actual text. Go for it. Uh, Jesus in his parable said, uh, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But the landowner replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I'm generous? Then hmm. Jesus said, so the last will be first. And the first, say it with me, I'll will be last. last. There you go. Here endeth the lesson. <laughs> So you and I have two different takes on this because um, I'm looking at this because of experiences that I have had in the church. 
Mm -hmm. um, I'm looking at this from the experience of being a priest within the church and and watching people who share in ministry come in and out of ministry, um, some who have been here for years and years, some who have just shown up and how do we treat uh, how do we treat everyone and you're looking at it from a different perspective I am, but I want to hear about your perspective first so um, one of the things that I have noticed in my time within the church all the way from when I was in the Roman tradition all the way as a lay person um, coming into the Episcopal Church is sometimes if we're not careful the church can be very much like a corporation and of course we are incorporated we are a nonprofit as a church but if we're not careful we can have a very corporate attitude where you start at the bottom of ministry and kind of learn skills and you know earn respect and then you kind of work your way up the hierarchy of of church to the point where you have a sense of seniority and i think it is important that there, we recognize that there are people who have put in a long time a lifetime of service to the church who have been dedicated you know for 30 40 50 years but at the same time is that an excuse to look at somebody who has just started differently is it is that an excuse to look down on them or to look down on their ideas or their efforts and so sometimes I have seen that to where the person who's been around a long time will kind of dismiss the person who hasn't been here very long mm -hmm. yeah um, I think that happens and mm -hmm. then um, I ask you isn't there something important about longevity or uh, what about uh, seniority what about wisdom you know how does that well doesn't that factor in longevity does not mean wisdom Longevity just means you've been doing something a long time. Okay. So w wisdom, I think, comes separately from that. And experience is important. And the idea of, of seniority, to me, means that, I, looking at it from the Jesus perspective, I hope, the higher you are, the more servant-like you must become. And so if yes. you have been doing yeah. something for a long time and you have trained no one to take over for the day that you are no longer on this earth, then you're doing a disservice. Mm -hmm. If you are doing so much, right, if, you, if you're in ministry, and this is for clergy as well, if you're doing so much that you are so indispensable that nobody could ever hope to fill your role, I think you're doing ministry wrong. Yeah. And, and so the, the longevity can be very important, but longevity does not earn grace. So how do you earn this grace? Uh, you cannot earn grace. Grace is freely given. Oh, it's freely given. Like the right. landowner who says, Correct. is it not mine to give to whom I please, right? Right. Uh, or are you envious because I'm, because I'm generous, right? That it's, well, yeah. Well, and there's, there's one more thing, because pastorally, I often find this among Christians who will say, I've been a Christian my whole life. That's, they'll, they'll start with this sentence. I've been a Christian my whole life. Why am I suffering through this? Why is this thing befallen me versus that person who's been a Christian for five minutes and they seem to be doing well? Wow. All right. And what do you say to them? I, I tell them that, first of all, we don't know what challenges are going to happen to us as, as Christians and that the longer you have been a Christian, hopefully the more you have been equipped and I have been equipped 
to deal with tragedies and trials and, and challenges. And that the person who looks like everything is fine right now, we know because of the parable of the sower and the seed, that if something happens, they could be in real danger of losing their faith. Mm-hmm. Whereas longevity should mean deep roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It should, right. You know, the music director and I today were talking about uh, the hymn Blessed Assurance because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. it, it was we do this thing where we play music, uh, a piano and a cello that others can hear when they're walking by. And they were playing Blessed Assurance, which in, in, it's interesting to hear it in a piano cello type setting. Um, and he talked about um, having somebody, he heard it sung, and he actually got the whole sense of that Blessed Assurance that uh, she had been uh, a part of the choir since she was young. And now she is... Um, uh, she has grandchildren of her own, and she is singing Blessed Assurance, that she has had this Blessed Assurance her whole life, to not be worried about the afterlife, not be worried what happens when you die, that she had carried that peace into her life, and she was singing it to a group of people who had never known that peace before, and that she was sharing with them her faith, uh, and the only way she knows how to do it effectively is through song. And so... So there she was singing it. And um, and it wasn't that she, the singer, believed that she had more grace or a better spot in heaven or anything. It's just that um, she'd been given this gift for her whole life to not have to worry about how things end, because uh, God has it, and um, and that she just wanted to share it with others. And and to me, I think that's what, that's what I'm hearing from this parable, is that... Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that struck me is if if I can read directly uh, from yeah, the passage itself, uh, and and if you don't, do you, is it okay if I use the aorist tense? Is that okay if I jump you in? You may with go it? ahead and use the aorist tense. All right. Actually, you have permission to do so. You've been given mm-hmm. permission to do so, and you will have permission to use the aorist tense. All right. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, and so what Alex is saying, it's his first time you've heard the show, or if you've slipped through this section at other times, which I wouldn't blame you to, um, that there is a Greek tense that we do not have in English. And it means things that happened in the past are still happening now and will happen in the future. And so um, when the landowner went back out at five o'clock in the evening, uh, there were people that were still waiting there to be um, to work. And he said to them, um, <laughs> it would be helpful if I actually found the spot. Um, five o'clock, he went out, found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? And they mm-hmm. said to him, because no one has hired us, no mm-hmm. one is going to hire us, no one will hire us. It's an aorist tense, to hire um, as in, we are the unhirables. We're the ones that always wait around and nobody comes by to hire us. The landowner said to them, you also go into the vineyard. Flash forward, they're all getting paid. Mm-hmm. And the people that worked from the beginning of the day said about those unhirables, they said, you have made them equal to us. And which the landowner said, I'm sorry, I did you no wrong, right? <laughs> What's going on here? And the the sense that Jesus reaches out to the unhirables, uh, that Jesus is very interested in people who are um, who 
are on the outskirts of society. Um, and, and this, to me, this parable is Jesus highlighting that. Um, and, and if I can put it simply, uh, I forgot who it is that said it, you may remember, um, that when it comes to heaven, you'll probably be surprised at who isn't there mm-hmm. and who is. Right. You're here? You're here? That guy's here? That, yeah, that guy yeah. stole my girlfriend in high school. What's he doing here? He, you've made him equal to me. And well, I, you know, there's a there's a couple things that that come to me from from this. The first one is um, thinking about the parable of the prodigal son and the other brother who doesn't want to go into the party, and yeah. the father tells, "You've been with me this whole time." Yes. Don't you understand that all I have is yours? You know, that's that's a powerful statement. Huge. Yes. You know, um, the other image that I have is that Christianity is the religion of the undesirables, Hmm. or it should be. It should be a place for those who feel that they are the undesirables of the world, that they are accepted. And wouldn't it have been a great witness, obviously that's not what we got in the parable, but if those who had borne the heat of the day would have said, thank the Lord that those who worked but an hour got the same wage as us. Yes. Because, Lord, you are generous. You give to everyone. Because one day we might be that person who needs God's generosity. But that's not not always what we do. Yeah, yeah. And so the people who are working the field all day have this assurance knowing that they're going to get paid uh, the Mm -hmm. usual daily wage. Uh, those that are waiting around to be hired, and uh, as the hours pass and nobody hires them, they get more and more fearful about how am I going to eat tonight? You know, mm-hmm. where is this money going to come from? Um, and you know, they didn't have the same social uh, systems and networks that we have now. No. Um, that if if you didn't work, you didn't eat, and so they had that fear. Um, again, it's back to that blessed assurance thing that the the people that have been in the church for a long time have been carrying around this peace with them to know that they are um, that they are loved, that they are forgiven, that they're redeemed, that they have the grace of God, um, and that we should celebrate when someone comes, sneaks in right at the end, as they would say, uh, and has the full uh, benefit and blessing. Like, you know, Constantine, the emperor, mm-hmm. uh, he was, was baptized on his deathbed. Yeah. Right? I, he, I think he snuck think, in at the end. I, I think we have a sense of what we would think of as justice as human beings, what the world tells us is fair. And so usually when I've preached this parable, I'll say there are three words that I hear so often when I hear this parable preached, and that is, it's not fair. It's not fair, right? And I would say, we don't want God to be fair in the way that we think the world should be fair, because we don't deserve anything, number one. Mm-hmm. And two, what we do deserve, we really don't want, which is, of course, death because of our sin. Um, but I, I'm I'm kind of playing with some thoughts here because, of course, we're, we're talking about this and we think about what we're gonna we're gonna preach on. And you know, we ask ourselves um, in the church: Do we ever show favoritism to certain individuals because of their status, because of what they give, because of what they do? 
for the church versus a person who may not be able to, quote-unquote, give anything to the church. Or what they give, their gift may not be appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that it would, it would have to happen. It, it's human nature to do that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah um, were you the one telling me the other day about the, the woman, I think you were, about the woman who gave the two pennies and Jesus was very excited about uh, all that she had given the treasury uh, oh, yeah. and that there were these uh, people processing with trumpets and great things as they were putting money into the treasury as they were making their gifts. And then this woman shows up with two pennies and Jesus is like, now that is faith. That's, that's um, giving. That's giving. Well, and, I mean, I, I think of it as um, right now there's so many people I know who lead very busy lives. I mean, they work a lot. They have families. They have responsibilities. But I think about they may give 20 minutes on a Sunday morning to help with something at the church, mm-hmm. but those 20 minutes are truly valuable in what right. they give. Now, there may be a person who's totally retired, who has all the time in the world. They may give five minutes. That's what they've deemed as valuable, right? Mm-hmm. Who gave more? You know, if they, if they both gave 20, who gave more? It was the person to whom it cost more to give. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, have you ever been worried that you're going to read this parable and then somebody at church is going to say, oh, wait, I'm going to check out for a while, for about 30 years, and I'm going to wait and then come in right as the sun is setting and get the same gift that everybody else is? Does that thought ever cross your mind? That, that, that thought does um, occur to me, and the, the analogy that I will make to kind of counteract that is that, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to disappear from your family for 30 years and then come back on your last day, see if they're still around, and ask yourself what kind of relationship you have with them. Mm-hmm. That's because, a really good way of putting it. Because for, for Jesus, Jesus, ideally, I believe Jesus wants long, healthy relationship with us. Mm-hmm. But I believe Jesus will use whatever time we're given. So we haven't talked about this, but the penitent thief on the cross right, who comes and says, you know, you know, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom, you know, kind of scolding the other thief, and Jesus says, you trust me, today you will be with me in, in paradise. Mm-hmm. Jesus would have loved to have known this penitent thief long before, maybe be a disciple or somebody who followed and listened and he preached to him and all these things, but all he got was that last moment, and he made the most of that last moment because the penitent thief opened his heart to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't remember in the Gospel of John, uh, the writer who I think was close enough to be able to hear these conversations said, wait a minute, I've been with you for years and this guy, right in the last few minutes, you in paradise? It's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair, right. Um, but that's not, um, it, the, the, the divine economy the economy that Jesus is talking about with this particular landowner. It is a different type of of economy. Well, I'll I'll give you an example of this from last week's um, parable of, you know, the the wicked servant who didn't, you know, forgive his friend's debt, but had his debt forgiven. When they talk about like 10,000 talents, Mm -hmm. if if that was gold, that's $12 billion in today's money. I mean, like, if somebody told me 
that I owed them $12 billion. I would literally take out a dollar bill and say, well, I can put something on it. I mean, I can maybe give you something. Right. Uh, right. You're going you're to have to give me a couple of days. I, I can't work this out. And then to turn around and to the, see the equivalent of you know, a few hundred days wages, which is still significant, but nothing in comparison to... So, of course, the lesson that we receive is that God's economy is different than our economy because God is willing to forgive so much more than we are. Uh, God is, yes. Um, so, yeah, it's... So we should be happy for that economy um, because maybe we're all the unhirable people. Um, so... Well, first of all, I think we're all the unhirables. Nice. I think we, we are. But if by some, you know, luck of the draw, we've been given an opportunity to have known Christ beforehand or to have been taken to church since we were young and, you know, things like that, to then turn around and see a person who is journeying, taking those first steps into faith, and recognizing that they have the same grace that's being given to them as to us, we should be saying, that's an, that's an amazing God that I love and serve. Mm -hmm. That's yes. the kind of—I I know that's the God I know. He would do that. He would do that. Yeah. And then when people get mad at him, are you mad because I'm generous? Can I not do what I want with my stuff? So yeah. for those of you on, on YouTube, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to do something funny. So are you saying that when it comes to, to grace, Jesus is generous and he just kind of makes it rain with grace? Sure. sure. I would like okay. to say that I'm old enough to understand that reference, but I, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> well, for our younger, for our younger group, they'll, they'll, they'll uh -huh. know what that is. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> for the younger demographic. <laughs> so, good. um, so, okay. So as we, as we kind of come to the end of our, of our time in this episode, um, one thing I'd like us to, to maybe think about is how do we honor those individuals who have been serving a long time in our church while at the same time encouraging them to accept those who are just coming in and mm -hmm. to teach them and, and to, to mentor them? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I, I will... I don't know if you... I'm just going to say it. So um, the Seahawks became a football franchise in 1977. Okay. All right. And, uh, and so I got to know them when I was pretty young and I have been following them ever since. And for most of my entire life uh, time, the Seahawks have not been a very good football club. And um, in the last 15 years, 12 years, uh, they have been getting uh, quite good. And so um, when it comes to Seahawks fans, we tend not to say, uh, for people that just jump onto the bandwagon and say, look, I, I was watching him during Jim Zorn's era. You know, I was watching during, um, some really bad players. Um, we, we don't, we don't do that. Um, because we just celebrate with them that they, uh, they too see the excitement in the team. Um, but I don't know if that's the same with all ball clubs. Um, you know. I just wonder. It depends on the fan base. It, it really does. And, and I remember, um, I, I'm not a huge Buccaneers fan because I'm more of a college football guy than a, than a professional mm -hmm. football guy. I just find it to be more exciting. But I remember hearing some flack about people like, I remember when the Buccaneers, you know, the first year and they went, oh, and for the century. And 
all these things. And now we've got all these people because of people love Tom Brady. And I'm like, guys, you won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Enjoy just it. Enjoy. Just enjoy the fact that there's so many people who enjoy your team. Yes. Can't, can't we just all watch it together? And hopefully that is the case. It is. Right. Um, so it is really hard to be a sports fan in Seattle. I'll just say it. We've never won uh, the, the World Series, never been uh, at all. Uh, there was a, a team called uh, the, the Pilots that uh, Major League Baseball is what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. uh, that they left Seattle. They went to Milwaukee the next year. They went to the uh, to the World Series, right? That right. type of snubbing. Um, Seattle had an NHL team. They left. They went to the series. Uh, we used to have a team called the Seattle Supersonics, which is NBA. Uh, they left. I mean, it's it's hard. And so <laughs> and then you left. Right. And then the Pac-10 has fallen apart. That's all. I mean, that's college football, but that's a whole separate story. So, um, to, to, so to sum up, why don't we right. say something like this, that if and when we find one another in eternity in heaven at that great banquet table that Jesus talks about, maybe we'll just be happy at who's at the table See? instead of worrying how they got there. Exactly. That in heaven, there is no such thing as time. It doesn't exist. So the serving at nine in the morning, the serving at 5 p.m., time doesn't exist. And so you're just there, um, the promised land, that you're, you're in it. And um, that's uh, what I would say is our blessed assurance. So, amen. 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 Yeah. Well, I am blessedly assured of our friendship as I am of our salvation in Jesus. And so I will hopefully be blessedly assured by some comments and subscriptions to our YouTube channel, our podcast online. And that was my best way of doing a segue. That's awesome. And for those that have said that I said, it's hard to be a Seattle sports fan. You know, if you're in Chicago, feel free to write. Um, <laughs> they say, no, they, it's no, hard they, to they, get they, sports they fans in Chicago. No, they've won What's a World that? Series. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it, the amount of time it took for them to win one, Seattle could have put several of its franchises of how long they've lived. Anyway, sorry. In heaven, there is no time. In heaven, there so, is no time. We'll so, stop. So we'll thank everyone for, uh, for watching, for listening. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe, and we will catch you all in the next one. God bless. God bless.